Welcome to episode number 80 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. So today I want to talk with you about something I noticed this week after being at curriculum night, and um, and I think it'll make you chuckle and hopefully make you think about what's going on in your life and where you are in your career and um, give you some opportunity to maybe poke around a little bit and see, uh, you know, under the surface how it's going for you. Um, I am excited. We're going today to Minneapolis to see Pearl Jam. We're going to get on a plane shortly here and um, I'm going to spend some time with my beloved and that's one of the most favorite things that I do, if we're being honest, and don't tell my children, but, um, and they probably know actually, so there's, there's no hiding it from them, but I love to travel with him, and I love to take time and just invest in our relationship. That's something that we've done really on a um, very regular basis since we were married, and um, I'm excited to spend some time with him and to see Pearl Jam. I mean, it's so fun. It's something uh, that is exciting. I love live music and Pearl Jam is, you know, it's not too shabby for live music. So, um, so we're getting ready to go and, uh, it's a beautiful day here in Cleveland and, uh, blue skies and gorgeous blue moon, uh, last night and, you know, feeling good. So I hope in your neck of the woods that you're doing well. And, uh, and, you know, and I think this conversation, will be an interesting one for you today. And 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 I want to set the stage for this. So you, like me, may be going through this moment, right? It is the end of August. We're getting into early September. And the schools are back in session. And there's a lot of getting back into routines for many of us with families. And maybe you can relate to that. We have had curriculum night and uh, soccer practices. And, you know, we're just getting really back into the swing of things. And so this week I had curriculum night for both kids, which um, in general is is nice. You know, it's nice to understand a little bit about what's going on from one hand. On the other hand, I can't stand it because they make us walk the schedule that the kids have. And, uh, you know, it's like being in high school all over again. And I, I wouldn't ever go back to high school. I mean, I had a fine experience. Um, yeah, and I, I wouldn't go back. Let's just put it that way. Um, and it's not a it's 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 no offense to my school uh, where I went where I'm an alumna, but I you know high school was just like man, ooh, that was a rough that was a rough patch. Um, but uh, but so we had to walk the schedules, meet the teachers, hear about the curriculum, um, hear about you know all. It's funny to hear from my kids, you know, a little bit about their teachers in the background, and then go in there and meet them and, you know, see where they are. And, and it is funny. I think these kids go and spend 40 hours, you know, at school a week, right? They're there for eight hours a day, five days a week for the most part. Um, and, um, you know, it's funny to just to be in their space and to feel foreign in that space and to appreciate that they have this whole other side of them, you know, that we don't, uh, that I don't get exposed to, right? I don't see them walking the halls. I don't see how they interact with other students, you know, and, uh, and it's fun. I think it's, it's kind of nice to just think about how, um, you know, how um, independent they're becoming. So curriculum night was for, I went for my one son Tuesday and then had curriculum night last night. And what struck me both nights uh, was something interesting. And I, I, it was really 
number one, surprising, and number two, somewhat refreshing. And so on Tuesday night, my son, uh, for his teachers, they got up and presented and talked about you know what they're reviewing for the year in their curriculum. And I was blown away because my uh, uh, one of my sons has um, three teachers who are his main teachers who are, I think combined, have about maybe 75 years of experience, most of which have been in this school. And, um, and I... And I was sitting there listening, and they were talking about, you know, they have uh, college age, high school age. Most of them have high school age and, and college age children, and uh, and it was it was fascinating because what was very very palpable was this very this sense of pride that they had, and not only pride for the school and pride for um, you know the um, you know the kids and their experience, but pride for being teachers. And I had to chuckle because I was sitting there, and um, and I, <laughs> you probably won't won't uh, won't find this too surprising. But when I go into a classroom, I usually tend to sit in the black, in the back. I don't like to be in the up front. You know, if you ever remember that, that there was always I don't know if you ever heard of it that there was the the inverted T, and in a classroom, and so you should sit either in the front row if you want to get if you want to have eye contact with the teacher and be noticeable in a classroom, right? You either sit in the front row or directly up the middle. Anywhere else, you know, you're kind of on the outskirts, and you know, you may not actually <laughs> get noticed. I, I'm I, I'm fine with that. I don't necessarily need to be noticed or like to be noticed, so I'm totally fine. I usually, as a result of that, choose the back on the left or on the far right. Number one, it gives me a ex- ex- you know, quick exit strategy. Number two, I love the fact that I can see everybody, right? I'm not being observed. I'm the one observing. I know there's probably some control issues there, but you know, I'm sure you're not surprised uh, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, but I, but I, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm just observing, and and I had to chuckle because I thought um, and really pause because I was really blown away by how much they loved the school and they talked about the school in this wonderful way and how excited they were for the year and how excited they were to have the kids come back in the classroom and this was you know i think the one teacher said this is you know year number 29 or 30 for me and i love this school and you know i couldn't be happier to be back here and thank you for sending your children to this school and to me it's a pleasure to have them and teach them and and I was blown away. And I think, and yeah, I, 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 that was Tuesday night, and I, I let it sit for a couple of days because I kind of thought, boy, that's funny. I, you know, um, it's funny to hear someone talk about their profession that way. And, and, and then I was like, why do I think that's so funny? Like, why is that? Why, I just got curious, right? Like, why do I think that's so funny that somebody would have that much love? And respect and enjoyment derived from their profession and the work that they do. And I was thinking that I can't remember the last time that I sat around a bunch of nurses or nurse practitioners or CRNAs or and and really heard them say, I love what we do, it's the best profession in the world. 
I'm on year 30 of, right? Like, I mean, when was the last time that you met? Now, some of you who either work a floor or, you know, you do PRN work or, you know, you've uh, maybe you take call or whatever and you're on the floor or doing rounds, you probably know that there are some people in there, whether they're attendings or, you know, uh, nurses or, or whomever, but who have been there for a minute, right? And who are, you know, into that, well, 25, you know, I would say 20 plus year mark. And it's kind of fascinating because there's not as much of that anymore, right? Loyalty, I think, and whether you call it loyalty or not, it just doesn't exist like it used to, right? People jump around, I think the average tenure at a job, I think when I first started in clinical practice, the average tenure at a job at that time was 10 years. And then I think by the time I left, it was, you know, the average person stayed in a job anywhere from five to seven years. And interestingly, we had a um, midwifery workforce study that came out probably uh, within the past year or so, and it was a it was fascinating the results. They were thing came out and um, either were emailed to us from American College of Nurse Midwives or, or in the journal Midwifery and Women's Health. I can't remember which, and probably both. But the startling statistic there was that by the uh, 10-year mark, 50% of midwives, certified nurse midwives, are no longer in clinical practice. And um, and I and I I remember reading that, thinking, "Holy shit! Like, you know, I, number one, I'm not alone uh, because of you know my desire to to exit, you know, doing a, I would say a full scope typical midwifery position uh, with an on call component and then an, in, uh, an outpatient component." And but I also thought, my goodness, where will our profession be in the next 10, 20, 30 years if we're churning and burning through midwives at a you know astronomical rate? Right. We already have a, a, a need for midwifery care for sure. And we may not have also the workforce to support it. And if you are someone who also maybe works PRN or, you know, you take a you know, pick up a travel contract here and there. Um, you, know, you may have also noticed that the staffing issues that are, um, you know, um, bothersome to most units, nursing units at this point, are that they just cannot retain staff. We have nurses who are exiting the profession. We have, uh, you know, uh, nurses who are disheartened, who are disgusted, who are uh, angry, who, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's right, it's neither right nor wrong. Um, the end result, though, is that we have a profession that is churning through individuals. And I can't tell you the last time that I stood in a room and listened to someone speak about our profession in the way that these teachers spoke about their profession this week. And I, I wondered, too, you know, maybe it's our district. Maybe it's the fact that, uh, you know, we're in a great district. And our, our district, you know, historically uh, is ranked number one. We have the one of the best uh, elementary schools. We have one of the best school districts. We have, a, um, you know, a, a community here that is uh, where we have large corporations. And so our taxes are very good. We have a lot of support from those corporations, you know, and in terms of tax dollars that flow to our schools. We have great teachers. We have, uh, you know, we have a good community here, and um, and and, you know, maybe it's that. Maybe it's just like we have good community here, and that's what creates this this thinking that, oh, this is a joy to be here. But I I really I don't I don't necessarily 
number one, think it's just it, right? I mean, there's always a, a component of the external factors that make it great for you to do your job. And then there are the internal factors, right? Because at the end of the day, right, we could take a, a nurse practitioner or a registered nurse and put, you know, any any one of them in a um, in a unit. The unit could be well run, well managed, you know, with adequate supplies, adequate staffing, and a great, you know, collaborative environment and a clear culture, a just culture. And we could probably put, you know, ten different NPs in that, uh, you know, in a role in that uh, hospital or setting. And, you know, 50% of them would love it and 50% of them would, you know, say, meh, not for me, right? Because that's just, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Now, take that same scenario and we say, well, we have 10 MPs and we then, you know, change the variable. We make the culture terrible. We make the management not great and not unresponsive. We make their, um, we include some toxic workplace issues like overwork, underpaid, and uh, undervalued, right? And then we add in, you know, the EMRs and all the bullshit charting that needs to be done. And, you know, you have kind of a recipe for disaster, right? And and I was just thinking about how the healthcare community, we've, you know, teaching has had to up its game, right? I mean, I, I was floored last night by the fact that every day these teachers go and they upload their slide presentations and they um, they have websites that they maintain, you know, run through the school, more like, you know, just a website page, but, but they maintain it and they have to have a digital component to what they do, right? I mean, so many, I don't know if your kids are on Google, Google Classroom, but our district uses Google, Google Classroom. And so it's a, you know, they have to have everything there, right? All the slide decks, all the assignments, they have, you know, Excel spreadsheets for when assignments are due, you know, for the week. And and they have to be organized, right? They they have uh, they have, you know, had to up their game in terms of technology, right? Over the past, you know, five to ten years, and maybe a lot of that was really prompted by the pandemic. And we're just, you know, now that we're you know roughly three years out of the pandemic, you know, people are kind of comfortable with it. I don't know, um, but I just wonder, you know, what what change that there are teachers in the teaching profession who are you know, loving it. And then there are, are there those nurses in our profession? And I know there are, I know there are. And I think that there are a lot less of us. And maybe it's the same way in the teaching profession. Maybe I'm just seeing this side of the coin, which is that, you know, we have a district again, that is well-funded, well-supported. And, uh, you know, we have a, a select group of you know, individuals who are really excited to be there. But I don't know. I, I kind of wonder. I just was floored to hear and to really, in a genuine way, feel like they were being le- legit and honest. It didn't feel fluffed. It didn't feel like they were blowing smoke up my ass, which they could do, right? They could. It felt like none of that. It felt very genuine. And and I just started to think, boy, I wonder like, how many, if we surveyed, if we polled people in our profession right now, how many of them could say that? How many of them have a tenure of 20 plus years? How many of them still love what they're doing? How many of them uh, are excited to, you know, go to work? You know, and then I was like, maybe it's at the fact that, you know, some, most of them get, you know, the summers off. Is that what needs to happen? Does every nurse need a three-month break, right, to gain some perspective, to, to get out of that toxic environment, to reset you know, uh, and rejuvenate and restore. I don't know. 
is that the difference? But but what really makes that that different? And and some of you are probably thinking, I know a teacher, and the teacher I know is not you know singing the praises of uh, all the students. And again, this may just be reflective of my district, because I know just like in our profession and the teaching profession, there are plenty of teachers who are undervalued, underpaid, and uh, and under resourced, right? Who are you know, funding their classrooms out of their own pocket, and uh, and they they're incredible people, right? Who sign up to teach our children every day, despite those circumstances, and and so I know that this is a, a snapshot of my district, and and I see that, but I just really wonder if we if we if we went around to the local hospital and said, "Give me, I'm gonna just you know handpick one nurse from each unit, and at the you know and put them in a, a boardroom and have them talk about what they do." Do you think that they would sit there and talk about how you know they loved it? They couldn't wait to get back for the next shift. That that nursing was the best thing that they had ever done. And I and I don't know. I'm a little bit sad to think that, you know, that that's that may be the state of our profession. And maybe I'm totally off base here. Maybe in your neck of the woods or in your unit, it's a different story. Maybe the people around you they love to come to work. Maybe that's just it, and maybe my my view of it is, is skewed and different. And maybe it's also because in my environment, right, I I work a lot with people who come to me because they have they don't have as much freedom and flexibility as they crave. You know, they want to be able to make fast changes. They want to be able to do work that they love in a way that doesn't exhaust them and that doesn't, you know, um, you know that that's not only great to do, but that they are authorized to do, right? Like instead of waiting and having to get it approved by a committee and, you know, having to <clears throat> address the all of the things that go into the billing component, right? And and making sure that the Medicaid assessments are, or the uh, Medicare assessments are correct, right? So that you get reimbursement. I mean, that's, so I may be, I, I definitely may be biased and my you know, the, the, of the environment of people who come to me, who come seeking, you know, a different way. They want to build a new chapter. They're, they're done with the typical um, and, you know, uh, conventional you know, delivery of healthcare. Uh, and so maybe it's just me. And I also wonder, what if it's not? What if we really do have not only a crisis in terms of the staffing component of nursing, but also in terms of the, the love for it, the passion for it. And then if that really is the case, and, you know, and, and, and in my work, what I do is to help people come out and, and you know, make, help more nurses make money and you know, figure out what their version of the good life is. And if I'm doing that, right, if I'm helping people reinvent their, what nursing means to them or what their careers, what they want their careers to yield, and, and I'm doing that part, but but what about all the people who are still in the traditional models? What is what does that do for our profession over the long term? Our profession is one of the most integral parts of healthcare. You cannot run a hospital without nursing. You cannot have a um, you know you, you, we would never have the level of prevention, and uh, you know if we didn't have the influence of nursing. And, and it, it pains me a little to think that we in our profession don't have that same level of where we go out and talk about it and we, we, we openly encourage people to come in and we tell them we will train them and we will do it in a way that's, 
not malevolent and not bullying, right? We'll, 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 we'll bring them under their wings. I mean, can you imagine? I want you to even think back in your career. How many people in your career have openly and warmly welcomed you to train you, to teach you? Like how, you know, and, and what does that say about our profession? And what does it say about where our profession is going? And I don't have all the answers. I don't, you know that. I also, though, really wonder and um, think about, you know, where the state of our profession is and, and, and where it's going because it's so vital and it's so important. Um, and I think private practice, right, and, and some of these other things that we're doing, building the online courses and, you know, um, uh, integrating coaching services and becoming health coaches and, um, you know, building businesses and practices and going on, you know, advisory boards and, uh, you know, taking, uh, doing political action and, and uh, you know, being active at the state level and uh, helping our organizations, right, to, um, you know, to get a message out. And I, I look at all of that and I just think we're, we're an amazing profession, amazing profession. We're amazing humans. And we are, I think, in a, in a space of where I, I just don't hear that same kind of conversation about our profession that I heard this week from not one, not two, from probably 10 to 12 different people. I, it was fascinating, fascinating. So, so I guess my question to you is, what do you think? And where is it going in your opinion? And what can we do? And if, you know, what is the, what's our next step? I really want you to think about that. We have a legacy here not only a personal legacy that we're building for ourselves and the legacy that we create for those that come after us, but but what about the legacy for our profession? How do you want it to be? What do you want it to, to feel like at the end? And, and what do you want to create for the next generation of nurses that are coming in? Because that you and I can control. We can. Even though it feels out of our control, you and I can control how we show up, the way in which we teach, the way in which we you know bring people into our communities, the way in which we treat them the way in which we talk about what we do, the way in which we see the value in it and then go and share all that value, you know, with everyone else who is around us, right? We can change that. That's in our control. Um, you know, are there things out of our control? Yes, of course, right? If your hospital's like, hey, we just added a whole new spreadsheet that, or a whole new area of charting that you need to do for reimbursement, like, all right, <laughs> what do you, not much, you know, you don't have much control over that, right? And there are things that we don't have control over, and there's a lot of things that we do have control over. So what's your part in it? And what are your thoughts? Where do you think we're going? How are you contributing to it? How are you creating our legacy? And when I say our legacy, I mean yours and mine. And I'm going to think about that. I really have to take a pause, I think, and start to consider what I want my legacy you know, to be. And am I creating, am I being really good on my mission and my purpose, which is to take our profession and elevate it and make it, you know, make it work for us, right? Instead of working for it, it works for us, right? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's, it works for us and we work for it. 
maybe that's what we need. I don't know. So, so think about it. You let me know. Reach out. If you're like, if you have any good thoughts on this, you want to have a conversation about it, you want to come on the podcast and discuss it, reach out. Let me know. I would, um, I would invite it. I think we are, I think we're at a point where, you know, we get to determine where we go, right? Because it is our profession. And, uh, and we have more control than I think we usually give ourselves credit for in terms of directing that ship. So, so now just to, uh, end, um, we are just launched private practice in 30 days. It is a jam packed little online course that is available. There are so many resources in it. It is, it helps you to, um, open a private practice in about 30 days. It's incredible. I documented everything that I did. I've created videos, a 55-page book, several um, uh, activities, worksheets, a template um, that will help you get to where you want to be with your private practice and get it up and off the ground and cash cash flow positive, right? So growing and profitable, that's what we want with a private practice, with any business in general. But I encourage you to check that out. And uh, all you have to do is go over to the website, www.ianconkleycnm.com. Um, hit work with me up at the top, and then you'll go down and you will see the course. And we're going to create a few more courses. We have a couple in our back pocket that we're working on right now. Um, and um, if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, if you need some help getting started with your private practice and the online course is enough to wet your whistle, but you want some one-on-one support, that's another thing that uh, I encourage you to reach out for. It's an incredible opportunity that we all have. And uh, and maybe it plays into that legacy that you want to leave uh, or build for yourself. Okay? So, all right, friends, see you next time. Take care.